Welcome to The Other Coast, a podcast detailing the Malifaux meta in Los Angeles. My name is Jeff, and with me here is another SoCal player, Colgan. Hey, everyone. Hey, Colgan. So today we are going to be talking about master level AP. This is a uh, concept that is often discussed uh, among stronger players when evaluating masters and, you know, like why one master might be good, whereas another master might be bad. Because I know for myself, um, you know, when I when I read a card, every model in the game does something. And just when I'm reading it on the app, every model seems actually kind of good. Uh, but then you get onto the table and you sometimes find, um, you know, it's not having the impact that you thought it would. Or sometimes it's not doing anything really at all. Uh, and and it can be kind of hard to figure out um, why that would be. Uh, but with, with regard to Masters, you know, I do think that this is a, you know, it is a specific topic about um, what you're getting out of Master Level AP. Uh, so, Clogan, can you, you know, for our listeners, maybe just sort of define the concept or, you know, what people mean when they're talking about whether or not uh, something has Master Level AP significance? Sure. So the basic idea kind of revolves around the thought that, you know, the master is supposed to be the strongest model in your crew. And if you think about costs, even though you're not actually paying to hire in your master, most masters are like what cost between 13 and 15 soul stones. So the idea is that the master, in addition to having that third AP, they're going to have actions that are either unique to them or are a much stronger versions of like generic abilities that we see. So for example, like Zoraida's Obey or something like that. So when we're talking about Master AP, it's just having access to actions that are a step above what's available to, you know, like minions, henchmen, or enforcers that you can hire. And generally they're going to have a significant impact on your strategy in the game and like how your and your opponent will need to react accordingly if they don't want to lose or just be fighting on the back foot. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good way to put it. And master level AP is uh, a relative scale, right? You're comparing uh, what masters can do to non-masters, but also uh, masters to other masters. And this is one aspect of the crew hiring that, uh, you know, really, I think, underlines the importance of of balance across the masters. Because as, as you said, your leader is free. So if you hire a, a good leader, that has cost you exactly the same amount as uh, your opponent hiring a bad leader. But that impact will translate, um, obviously, on the table... And it also is uh, one of the um, one of the factors that makes henchman hiring uh, not equal to master hiring in most cases, and and that's you know again because masters kind of do occupy this higher strata, and I don't know if um, if we're intended for the concept of master level AP. Uh, to to be a thing, or if this is you know kind of just a consequence of the fact that masters are more distinctive models with um, you know actions and abilities that aren't found in other places, and so the community is kind of coalesced around this idea 
that uh, what masters do is meant to be um, special and and distinct and better than non-masters. But as someone who plays the Crossroad 7, uh, I definitely feel the the impact <laughs> difference in in my leader compared to my opponent's leader in in most cases. Uh, so you know, to start out again, our pod is primarily beginner or mid tier focused, right? I mean, you know, we're mid tier players ourselves, and and so it might be helpful if we can give some examples. So, uh, Colin, can you give uh, some examples of of some actions that are um, like kind of well, I guess some kinds of actions and then some specifics that are considered like master level AP. Yeah, so the big one that jumps to mind is summoning. Outside of masters, summoning isn't really a thing. Um, there are some henchmen that have it, but usually their access to it is summoning like a fairly weak minion or it's pretty unreliable. Whereas most masters that are able to summon can summon pretty much every minion in their keyword they're able to do it <clears throat> very reliably and some masters even make their summon models stronger than versions you can hire into the game normally yeah so i mainline summoning is something that is really only found uh in masters right and other models that can summon as as you said tends to be far more restrictive they can only summon a specific thing or you know what they summon has has uh uh you know some sort of debuff or something um that forgotten uh forgotten marshall is kind of an interesting model that i often look at trying to include into every reser crew uh <laughs> you know it's an enforcer that has the ability to to summon kind of a wide range um but you know, even then, uh, yeah, clearly not having the impact, and you can see this right that that weird, uh, you know, these mainline summoners—they're all version one masters, uh, like Dreamer and Asami, and right. I mean, you could just go on and on and on, uh, and they are like the fact that they summon out models was meant to be really core to their play experience, and uh, actually really kind of dominated the early ggs until weird made changes to the base rules on on how summoning works uh and you know as a as a consequence these mainline summoners have fallen a bit in relative power level especially you know due to power creep but i think mainline summoning remains an excellent example of the kind of ap uh, that's having a a clear impact on the board and that is pretty much restricted uh, solely to masters. Uh, what would be another category? Yeah, so other categories are there's, like I mentioned earlier, there's actions or abilities that you do see in a lot of other models on the table, but the master either brings like a certain twist, either through like a trigger or the stat is just, or the stat for the action is so much higher that they have a much it's much more reliable or you can like force successes with lower cards so example would be like zoraida and our iconic obey obey is a fairly common ability i would say especially like i feel like a lot of models in like guild have it um 
But Zoraida, she has the Ensorcel trigger, which lets you take two actions with the model that you obey. So she's able to generate AP essentially off of a single action, which is really nice. And it's also, I believe, a stat seven. Mm-hmm. Stat seven or stat eight, making it very hard to resist and very, you know, your opponent's very hard pressed because they know that even if you cheat in that 13 at stat seven, they can still force it through and costing you that card for no real effect. So it makes it tough to want to cheat against it. Um, another example is just Hamlin's Lear, stat 7, and he has the ability to just basically stack a ton of Blight tokens in addition to Leering your guy closer, setting them up to be picked off pretty easily. Right, yeah, I mean, for Zoraida specifically, I think this is just an excellent example of how a master's kit can elevate a basic action that other models do have, right? I mean, you mentioned the stat, you mentioned the ensorcel trigger. She's got the mask built in, which, uh, mm. you, you know, for a lot of other models with obey, um, you, you, you kind of have to struggle to figure that one out. Uh, but also because Zoraida can draw a line of sight through her keyword models, it, you know, the range of her obey and the number of eligible targets uh, is, is greatly expanded compared to what a normal model is going to be able to do. And it increases the threat profile of these models that like these flanking models or, or whatever that uh, she has sent out on her own, right? Like a Cillarid, it's got stealth, it's got butterfly jump. It's, it's annoying to take out, but also you're not just fighting the Cillarid because Zoraida can potentially arc through it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a really good example of an, an action that does exist uh, on other models, but Zoraida, you know, her action stat, her triggers, and then her front of card abilities really elevate it above what other Obey models can do with the same action. Uh, what would be the you know another category of actions? So this goes into kind of how like I feel like the Obey and Lear are a little bit more about setting up the crews to do something well. Um, you just have like the more straightforward masters like Leviticus or Seamus or Cooper who just have like the nuke, so <laughs> just high damage actions. You know Seamus popping out of nowhere just one-shotting one of your models and then fucking off back to where he came from. Um, So those are like high impact in a very straightforward way that you're just always worried about the threat of when their master activates of just removing one of your models from the board. Yeah, and these are frequently actions that, uh, you know, your opponent is structuring their turn around. Mm-hmm. They're going to dedicate their their resources, right, the severes they have in their hands. They have probably, uh, I mean, depending on the keyword, been able to, you know, somehow AP transfer so that the master is going to be able to do their attack efficiency efficiently, right? Like, you know, so that they didn't have to spend a bunch of walk actions or something. They moved their master around or... Um, you know, they found ways to give their, their master free focus. I mean, this is very common in Leviticus with the scavengers. Um, and, and also that you can, you know, again, just 
following the levy example, so that you can set up his irreducible attacks. I mean, both his gun and his melee have irreducible, and his his melee, you know, can hit for massive amounts of irreducible. He doesn't really care about the damage he takes because he'll even if he dies, he'll just become a hollow waif and whatever else. So yeah, I mean, these are. Uh, they don't tend to exist on other models, so it's it's not the same example as Zoraida, but of course, attacks exist in the game in great numbers, and uh, some models that aren't masters have very fine attacks, um, but they're not Seamus's gun, right? So, <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, what makes these models better in some ways is kind of similar to the previous category, but the sheer effectiveness or efficiency of of the way they deliver damage translates to a like a board impact that again is separate and superior to what other models can do and and that's really um like the chief characteristic in my opinion of master level ap it's not that no other model could have possibly achieved a somewhat similar result um right like you know you can't obey if you're not Zoraida, you you can do like five or six damage probably, even if you're not Seamus. Uh, but you know the impact of eight or nine with the Red Joker, which you know I've seen, um, <laughs> that is something above and beyond what other models can do in the game, and it really exerts a lot of pressure on your opponent. Uh, if if your opponent knows what uh your model can do. <laughs> In some ways, it's kind of beneficial to be ignorant of what you, of like your opponent's potential impact, because then you can just execute your plan without being scared. Um, but that might just have more to do with my individual kind of fearful play style. <laughs> um, you know, for you, Colgan, when um, when your opponent has one of these super high damage. Uh, masters or you know in Leviticus's case his damage scale isn't out of whack with what non-masters can do but just you know all that irreducible damage is is very gross uh does that impact your your play I mean do you find that you become more defensive because of it or do you just try to play your own game and figure well hey you know your opponent's gonna be able to do some stuff but as long as you can execute your plan you're gonna be fine it definitely affects it. You know, depending on the master, it can be really beneficial to just send one, like, uh, like super model, I guess, you know, to run on the flanks to kind of threaten the opponent's, like, backline or their schemers or to, you know, score schemes of your own. So, but, you know, like, playing against someone like Seamus or Cooper who can just, like, dump damage really easily, it becomes a huge liability because they're isolated. So you know, after they activate, they're pretty much just a sitting duck and you don't have any way of punishing aggressive moves against them, especially when they're, when they have these nukes and things like that. So I, I feel like I always need to be moving and holding back my stronger combat models as a way of punishing them. You know, if they try to get overzealous with their attacks or, you know, it becomes harder for them to like, be able to risk these attacks if they don't have all the cards in their hand to ensure that it can go off right now what's interesting to me is that uh 
if we look at the previous category, right? Uh, so like Zoraida's Obey, Hamlin's Lure, these are actions that exist in the game, but the masters uh, do them better and the margin is significant enough to where, uh, you know, it truly is having a very different impact on the table. For for these actions that are based on just doing a ton of damage or in Leviticus's case, you know, a very good amount of damage, but irreducible. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Seamus would be better than this, but I would be very scared of, you know, like a six or seven cost model that had Seamus's gun at a stat four, right? Or even probably a stat three. Um, I, I don't necessarily know how great that model would be because I just threw out the costing uh, randomly. But I guess what I'm saying is I actually do feel that um, if you gave uh, other models these attacks at a lower stat, that they would actually be exerting kind of a similar board pressure to the master, um, even though that would just be an analogous situation to the Zoraida Obey um, scenario and Zoraida is more effective than a lower stat model with obey how do you feel about that would you kind of agree with me would you disagree with me and, and like what what's your thought process behind uh, your opinion i agree i think part of it is that you know when you're doing a damage action the like partial success well i guess it's not even like partial success right I mean, I, I feel like it's it's kind of similar, though, but I feel, I, I mean, I think it would be this, well, let's see, if you had a Leer, I, I don't know, because uh, I feel like if you did have the analogy where you have someone with, like, Seamus's gun, but they're lower cost, it would be such that, like, their defenses are so bad, I'm not sure how much I would care about it, because it would just be to the point, like, are they effective enough to actually present a threat with that, right? Like, sure, they're... I, I think, like, overall, I agree with your point, but I'm not sure if it's, like, a significant difference in my mind, right? Like, if there's a... You know, there's a bunch of low-cost people out with obeys, and it's, like, always kind of a threat, but because of, like, the failure associated with it, it's generally not something I'm warping my game plan around. And I want to say it would kind of be the same if you gave, like, high-damage actions to like a lower cost model with like a really low stat right like it would suck when it goes off but i think just like after playing enough games i would just kind of resign myself that it's not worth spending all these resources to play around with how unreliable it is and i just kind of have to roll with it if it comes up interesting okay uh what would be another category of actions that have kind of like master level impact that we see in the game yeah, so I guess kind of like in a similar vein, we're just talking about in the next category how it is kind of a scoring and board presence. So you listed like Colette's Presto Changeo where she can swap people around. And I think for a while it was kind of terrorizing the meta when she would just super friends and just swap people from like 8 or 16 inches away into her crew. Um, I think there's also um, like Misaki with her, with the shadow tokens? Markers? I think that's what they're called. Shadow markers. Yeah, they're not tokens. The shadow markers. Once they get up on the board, it's 
it's something that your opponent has to keep in mind as they're playing and it's kind it's like they it, it's going to warp how your opponent plays like they're going to need to have i guess like contingency plans for when that happens like okay yeah the shadow markers don't really do much in and of themselves but knowing that misaki can pop out of them i think forces most people to play a little bit of a more like closed game than they otherwise might and i think with like presto changeo i'm even thinking now that it got nerfed it's not quite as bad but like in the past i'm not really sure there was like a reliable counter to that right it was just you had to like move very cautiously because with the stat she had on it and the reach on it there wasn't like a reliable way to like make it miss or to punish them for that action really yeah, I mean, they nerfed Presto Changeo in two ways. They reduced the range that you can actually kidnap things from, and they also um, they made it keyword-specific, and, and that really uh, reduced the Super Friends aspect. Um, and then they made Colette 2, who is, I mean, I think most people would agree the superior version, even though Colette 1 is in no sense bad. Um, but Colette 2 just has routine performance, which is letting her act through decoys and doves. And although frequently the actions that she's taking with that are interacts, and that's actually going to be an example of, um, you know, what people often describe as a poor use of master AP, but in, in Colette's <laughs> case, just the, the sheer range of, 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 um, uh, you know, her ability to interact across the board where these decoy markers and, and, and these doves may be has a very different impact on the game. And these um, scoring and, and board presence type actions, I think they're a little more difficult to use. Uh, I think for beginning players, it's probably often why a lot of these types of masters, you know, these kind of scoring masters, or I don't want to say like less interactive, but they kind of want to play a game that uh, tries to avoid the enemy crew, um, works mostly in debuffs rather than damage. Um, those, you know, those sorts of crews. I think part of what makes them really difficult for beginning players uh, to play is that it's it's not a simple thing necessarily to grasp how all these different actions are interacting. You know, I, I was watching a game between uh, two of our local players recently, and one of our play, uh, players was playing Somer. And, you know, Somer 1 has so many of these uh, interlocking effects that mm -hmm. until you are really familiar with the keyword, you're leaving a lot of efficiency on the table. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think that uh, these kinds of masters or, or this kind of play style, right, that sort of indirect play style is one of the things that distinguishes Malifaux from other games. And it's it's something I think many players, many Malifaux players are drawn to. Uh, but as I said, if, if you're playing some of these crews and you're actually not finding them as effective as, as you know, the internet or, or you know, more experienced players uh, seem to think that they are, it's probably in the difficulty of using these kinds of like board presence, um, scoring, movement trick type abilities. Uh, 
All right. So uh, the next category, uh, enemy efficiency dragged down. Like, you know, what is going on here, Colgan, that makes it, uh, you know, that would make these actions master level? Because, I mean, there's many kind of like debuffs in the game. We're so succinct with these categories. Um, yeah, so the two highlights we had here were like McCabe and Bass 2. I guess McCabe 2 as well. So like McCabe 2, he is just like a tar pit that like soaks AP. Um, I guess like Titania is also in the same vein where it's just so inefficient to attack into them and they have ways of healing or reducing damage such to the point that it feels like it's really just a waste of AP and you're better off just trying to like cordon them off and try and diminish their effect on the game than trying to remove them. Um, with Bass 2, he has those fucking shackles that, <laughs> what is it, they, they like stun you, stagger you. They basically just like neuter one or two of your models and they just kind of have zero effect on the game while Bass 2 is near them. Well, I mean, you do have to choose. You you don't get them all, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it does damage. It applies your choice of just terrible conditions. Uh, it, it, it's a great action for sure. Um, the thing here with uh, with these is that um, in order for them to have kind of a master level impact, when you're using these models, you have to be targeting the right models. And I know that sounds really silly, but on the table, that requires forethought because you have to ensure that they're going to be in the right position to target the enemy models uh, that you care about. You have to be sure that you're going to be able to uh, to achieve your other goals with your other models if your master is being spent as, you know, kind of as you mentioned, right, like as, as a tar pit or something. Uh, and and this is, again, it, it kind of goes to the like scoring slash board presence category that we just talked about. If you are treating your master as just kind of like a faster damage dealer or, you know, just like another model in your crew and not as a model with distinct effects that were meant when the model was designed to play, you know, sort of a specific role in the game. I think it becomes much more difficult to get full value uh, out of them, right? I mean, Caster with Dominate, right? Dominate's a great action. Um, not enough to redeem Caster 1 uh, <laughs> compared to Caster 2, I don't, I don't think. Um, but, you know, Dominate is is a great action. But if you're not targeting the right models with it, if you... Um, if you're not using it in the right way, you know, Dominate also, it's, it's got an Obey attached to it, right? If you can use that to have one enemy model kill another, that's a great way, for instance, to score Take Prisoner or something. Um, but if you don't plan that out ahead of time, that's a capability that, you know, you're probably not going to get maximum amount of value out of. And, and so, you know, I think one of the things I want to emphasize here is that in some cases master level ap is going to be kind of clear because what the action is doing is just fantastic like seamus's gun right or mm-hmm. you know just reading the ability is going to be like okay i get how i i want to use this but in some other cases um it it it's more about understanding the 
the impact on on the table and that requires uh you know probably reps uh, you know ultimately um it, it's you know there's not really a shortcut to that unfortunately and i wish there was because i i am someone who crew hops a lot i i enjoy the variety inherent in Malifaux, but that makes it a real struggle when i when i play a lot of these new masters who i see other people use to great effect and for me uh well you know i i don't know what i'm doing with them yet so i am not able to get that master level AP effectiveness out of them that they undoubtedly have. Um, you know, for you, Colgan, when you're evaluating the masters you like to play, because I know you, uh, you play a more narrow range of crews than I do. Um, you know, to, to, I guess to what extent is it important for you to be able to kind of tell from the card how it is you're going to be using your master. You know, these masters that you have to put in the reps to really kind of learn how to to get the value from them. It's it, Is that, you know, something that would appeal to you because it's a learning process and you've indicated you enjoy the learning process of Malifo in the past? Or is it more like, you know, you want your masters to have a clear purpose and you would prefer not to have so many resources sunk into a model that, is more difficult to to use correctly. It's definitely somewhere in the middle because you know taking like really straightforward masters like Seamus and stuff like that. Um, I feel like I tend to hop to other crews a little more faster just because like their purpose is so straightforward and like no bells and whistles, you know, which is fine for the game. But then there's other masters that feel like so convoluted that I'm not even sure if they're worth playing. So I know like one of the locals always wanted to play Anya, but like every time I look at her card, I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> like, I don't know <laughs> what she's trying to do and like what, or like what she does better that like kind of carves out a niche for her as a master. So if I can't see something that the master does, that's kind of like, you know, that they're the best out within the game. It makes it hard for me to like get excited about playing them because then it feels like I'm just trying to see if, you know, it's like, well, is it possible to win a game with them rather than being able to like explore a certain aspect of Malifaux? Got it. Uh, all right. So we have one more category uh, in, in like this, you know, master specific actions. Cole, you want to take it away? Um, yeah, so the last category we have is efficient setup for crew keyword abilities. So I guess these are more like support-based masters that are going to basically multiply the, you know, force multipliers for models you hire into the crew. And it has to be that way because, you know, you're not going to have a master that has support abilities you can find on like any rank and file minion you can hire into your crew. So for the examples we have are mainly upgrade masters, surprise, surprise. So like Marcus one and McCabe one and Molly one, they all, you know, Marcus and McCabe are able to throw out a bunch of upgrades that can, you know, have huge impacts on the effectiveness of models in your crew. I think for Marcus, the big thing is kind of the versatility. So you can kind of like customize it to whoever you're playing against. So in practice, I'm not sure how true that is. I'm not sure if you just end up leaning on like one or two of the upgrades because they just tend to be a lot more useful in more cases. 
Um, McCabe is kind of the same way. I just kind of remember it's like a sword he tosses around, which is pretty strong. I know he has a couple others. Um, and then for Molly, she has the ability for one of her bonus actions to pass out focus, and it also will trigger the fading ability on any models affected by it. So they get focus in addition to whatever other buff they usually get from discarding cards. And she's also able to, I guess in a sense, it's kind of like pseudo board presence as well, where she's able to give a minion and her crew a second activation. So it really extends the potential threat range of any models she hires in. Yeah. And you know, there are examples of these kind of supportive effects um, across the board. I think, uh, you know, for for Marcus One, um, I would actually say that uh, pretty much all the upgrades are pretty nice, and you get out so many of them in the crew, uh, especially as Marcus One, but I mean also Marcus Two, um, that you're you're I mean you're going to see them all anyways just because of the limits uh for mccabe not only are you getting great effects from you know the sword and the mask right like you know not only the upgrades doing things on their own but uh tossing them around is giving his models fast in fact it's giving them a kind of like sheltered fast because they don't actually gain the fast until they activate so you can't take the fast away i mean you could uh slow the model so that it would cancel fast um but you can't for instance, end condition, you know, you can't end a fast condition on, on the model because it just it doesn't have it yet. Uh, you know, in Madness, we also uh, saw some of these models like Nikima Broodmother. She can draw a billion cards on the first turn. It, you know, in future turns, it's, it's more difficult because um, her crew is more spread out at that point. Uh, but, you know, she still has plenty of other ways to help out the rest of of her crew and for these masters i mean i really think these are masters that shine in the hands of superior players uh because if your master is a support master then to get true value from them you need to be using the models that the master is improving in in the correct way Right. And the more models you have to use correctly in order to get value from your master, uh, you know, the more you have to know about the game, the more you have to know about the matchup, so on and so forth. And to me, these are the kinds of masters that blindside me when I'm playing against superior players. Like, oh, I I did not expect what you just did. Right. I mean, with Seamus, okay, I understand you're gonna, you know, be able to use Seamus to like just mess up one of my people and that sucks and because you're better than me you're gonna arrange it to do it like you're gonna pick out the right target or you're gonna get the person i didn't want you to get or you know whatever i'm not saying skill differential doesn't matter for these other categories but for this category this last one this is uh, like these are the kinds of uh masters that are difficult for me to address as their opponent because I am less able to read through the potential game states um, than, you know, than my superior opponent. And I, 
you know, these kinds of masters I don't think are necessarily popular for new players necessarily. But if a new player's favorite master is a supportish kind of master and they're not seeing uh, success on the table, you know, again, I think it goes back to um, just an inability to identify the right models to support or the right way to use those models once they've been given that support. And again, that's just going to be, you know, the only thing you can really solve it on uh, is through reps. Uh, Colgan, I've noticed you don't tend to really play these support crews very much. Does this play style with your master not really uh, appeal to you? Um, or is it, you know, you don't have anything against these people. It's, it's just, you know, for whatever reason, uh, it hasn't really interested you. It's a little bit of both. I, I like a master that feels like they have more immediate impact on the board. Um, Throwing out upgrade, you know, spending most of your actions throwing out upgrades isn't super exciting. And it's also just a lot of mental strain to, like, learn these crews. Because you have to remember all the upgrades, think about the, you know, like, what conditions, under what conditions you want to give out which upgrade to who. And it's it's so much bookkeeping. I know you're playing, like, Von Schill, and it's just like... <laughs> Even just like witnessing it, it's like trying to remember like all the upgrades that are on people and like them dropping or re-equipping, or it's like they, you know, they can stay on if you do this or they drop if you do that. And it, it's just, it's so much to track. And I, I'm not like a huge fan of it. And I think also like none of the aesthetics of any of these crews like really appealed to me. I remember I hate McCabe one just because of his fucking hair. It's just <laughs> the worst hairstyle ever you could play the um the nightmare version where they're all on those motorcycles yeah i did pick up the nightmare version but then i just i, I never really got around to playing them for me i like tulip effects in game in games um right like in magic i enjoy artifacts and equip artifacts and casting enchantments on my own guys uh it's just Mm -hmm. something about building up appeals to me um one of my brother's favorite card games uh which he was pretty successful at in his in his day when he played uh is the game of thrones card game and in that card game it is just incredibly easy to kill characters and so you, you know you just you really shouldn't be attached to anyone that that you have and that was a real difficulty for me with the game because I, you know, I always wanted to make these decks where I was attaching all these, all these great buffs to my people. And then he would just be like, okay, yeah, well he's dead. <laughs> it's felt kind of unsatisfying to me. Uh, but I, I enjoy these, these kinds of uh, tool up crews. Uh, all right. So I, uh, I guess, you know, now we want to go into the section of examples of actions that really aren't providing master level AP um, we have similar categories because, you know, it is just kind of an opposite situation, but I do think it is instructive to kind of talk about some of these specific actions and why they're falling short, because I think that will also help illustrate why some of these masters are are falling short. Um, and, so, and the first category we have is walk and interact. Uh, Colgan, why is walk and interact... Um, 
in in like the you know not master level AP category. I mean, along with the general theme, how we were saying, basically the fact that these are <clears throat> the strongest models in your crew, they usually have unique actions that put them ahead of other models in the game. So walk and interact being generic actions that everyone has access to. Also, like assist definitely falls into this category. <laughs> like they're actions that you really want your low cost, like five, six cost minions or your scheme runners doing, or because they're generally just going to be more effective at it than your master, and your master should have better things that they're doing. Um, yeah, like basically, if you're spending your entire master's activation to like walk twice and drop a scheme marker somewhere, that means you know you're just throwing away basically 15 points, or I, I guess 10 points if you have like a five cost model. Uh, you know, and it's something you should generally avoid at all costs sometimes it's unavoidable and it's the right choice but most of the time it is not a good use of your master's turn right i mean i think this goes to the theory behind masters right they are made as distinct models with special effects that uh are of a scale that eclipses what you see in non-masters so anytime they are doing something that another model can do with equal effectiveness that's not probably the best choice and and that's why, you know, to a certain extent, probably in every game, you're going to have to take a walk with your master, right? I mean, that's, you know, you're not a bad player if you're walking with the master. And sometimes, yeah, interacting with the master is the right choice. But you can really see the impact uh, when you're facing a crew that is able to, uh, uh, to find other ways to achieve these goals, right? So, like... Uh, if a, if your opponent is able to move their master into the position um, that they want the, the model to be in without having to use the master's actual AP to take walks, this is going to allow the master, when it activates, to use its AP to do the things it wants to do. Um, Seamus with uh, uh, Secret Passage. This is a form of movement that is far more efficient than than simply walking. Um, and, and so, you know, to a certain extent, this is obvious, right? Uh, you don't want your expensive models to be doing what your less expensive models could have done. But I think a lot of newer players or, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, maybe less experienced players fall into this trap because, uh, masters, because of their three AP, because of the range of the things they can do. It's oftentimes like, oh, okay, well, you know, I wasn't focusing enough on scheming or on the strategy, and now only the master can get where uh, I, I would need them to be in order to do um, what needs to be done to score points. And so it's, it, as we said, it's, it's not never the right choice to take these general actions, but oftentimes if you're reduced to doing them with the master, it's because your plan has gone wrong at an earlier stage. Uh, now, I would like to point out, you know, we mentioned one of the great things about Colette 2 is routine performance's ability to uh, potentially interact across the board. And and so why is is this different? Well, it's, it's because what it's doing is it's really expanding the range of interact possibilities. You know, I, I played a game uh, using Colette 2 
recently um, against one of our more experienced local players. And I can tell you that, you know, the board pressure of these potential interacts is really strong. And it's a very complicated puzzle for your opponent to figure out like, oh, okay, you know, when do I use my model's AP to clear these doves or to clear these decoy markers or, you know, going back to kind of the ability to read the board state, you know, I'm going to walk and interact and I, I think I've, I've securely scored, but I didn't realize in fact that my opponent can order my dove or order their dove to move and then interact. And now we have the same number of votes and I'm not scoring what I thought I was scoring, you know, things like that. Um, so Yes, just because it's an interactive, just because it's a walk, it doesn't mean that it can't necessarily be a master level AP action. But in most cases, if you're just taking the standard general action and there's no other benefit to it, that is uh, kind of like a stereotypical example of an action that is by definition not master level AP. Uh, Colgan, our next category is poor debuff actions. What do we mean by this? So this is kind of the same thing. Either the debuff action itself, like the whatever condition you're placing on an enemy model is not significant enough to be worth a master AP, or it's an action that is available to you know other models in your crew. So here we have, what, we have Perdita 1 with Analyze Weakness. Analyze weakness is one of those abilities that whenever I read it, I think it's amazing. (laughs) But then whenever I play the game, I never use it. There's just like no situation in which it seems like it's the right call. Yeah, I mean, you're giving up a whole attack for it is the Mm -hmm. thing. You know, if there were a trigger on another one of her actions to allow her to take analyze weakness. I imagine that would actually be a trigger that people would um, purposefully arrange uh, uh, to declare, right? Which, mm-hmm. you know, to me, indicates that Analyze Weakness itself isn't bad, and I'm sure there, in fact, are situations where it's the right move, right? I mean, you know, Peacekeeper with Leadline Coat that's got some shielded on it. Yeah, I mean, you know, at that point, should you analyze weakness? Uh, probably. So none of these actions that we're going to be describing um, are useless, right? It, it, they all do something, and, and there are certainly cases where they might be the right pick. But they don't have the impact of what we're expecting one of our master's actions uh, should do. Yeah, and the also, the other one you mentioned was right. It was one is poison fate, which I had to double check what it was. It's so bad. So you have to make a test, and then if that model cheats fate after that, they take two damage. It's it's so situational, and I I think especially with debuffs like um analyze weakness and poison fate because it depends so heavily on activation order, it's like extra pressure that makes it much harder to capitalize on. Yeah, I mean, in Zoraida's case, you could then ensorcel that, or obey and potentially ensorcel that model and cheat to force the damage through. Um, you know, it's a, it, it has some synergy with, with what 
what's going on. I mean, just like Analyze Weakness has synergy with, uh, you know, Perdita and her crew too. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, you know, there is an opportunity cost aspect to these effects, right? So part of what makes them not really master level AP is based on what else the model can do, right? Like, is it bad to make it so that a model can't benefit from armor and shield? You don't know. But Perdita only has a limited number of actions during her activation. There are other things that you want to achieve. Do you want to be spending one of your actions um, on on this debuff? And frequently, you know, the answer is no. Uh, same with Zoraida's Poison Fate. And I think, you know, a lot of these debuffs, as I mentioned for Analyze Fate, I think one way weird could make them a lot better is to uh, have some other action provide the trigger to uh, to take these debuffs. Uh, because, again, I don't think that these debuffs are bad. It's just in opportunity cost terms, it's difficult to find the right situation to where they are the correct decision. Um, yeah. I mean, in terms of analyzed weakness, you know, like armor piercing is a thing, but it's it's nice when it comes up, but it's not like something you're planning around most of the time. I think we talked about this in the past. Like, I guess this is less resource intensive, but it's one of those things that you generally want to have like a more reliable way to deal with rather than, you know, hoping, you know, also because these have like those target things the opponent can resist. So it's just so much cost tied in with questionable benefits at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it's contingent, it's difficult for it to be master level AP uh, because the range of situations where it's the right choice becomes more narrow. So the impact mm-hmm. of what it does has to be a lot greater, right? So if it had a trigger... um that did damage, right? Uh, you know, those triggers exist, like Love Hurts, just take two damage, or Mental Trauma, you know, discard a card or take three damage. That would mm-hmm. suddenly do a lot for this action um, because you're no longer giving up the opportunity to do damage uh, when you're setting up this debuff. Um, mm-hmm. So there are a couple of ways I think Weird could redeem these abilities. You know, another way, again, would be to stick it onto a cheaper model so that, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you know, this setup is worth it now because you're not using your master to do it. Uh, but as as things stand, the debuffs, if you yourself are playing them and, and you find that you rarely take these actions, it's because you're just not getting enough out of them in most circumstances to to where they're the right choice. Uh, all right. So, uh, bad attacks. What are some examples of bad attacks? <laughs> um, so the examples we had, there's Kirai 2 with her Sundering. Um, that's a one, two, three attack where if she has enough minions in engagement with the target, then it can do up to plus two damage. So it's a lot of work to get like a three, four, five damage track, which isn't super hard to come by in most keywords. Um, there's friendly handshake by my personal favorite master <laughs> Lynch, which you give them two brilliance tokens, and you can potentially do two damage if 
you reveal a card that's higher than their card. Um, there's Hidden Sniper, which I think there's a couple of people that have it. The main one that comes to mind is Lucius. It's a stat 5 attack, which is really rough. Like, if you see a stat 5 attack on, like, any, like, high-cost model, it already feels kind of bad. Unless it's a pretty unique action. Um, uh, well, I mean, it is actually then... unique. Only Lucius one has it. Oh, he's the only one? He's the only one with it. I thought someone else had it. Okay, well, I guess a more unique effect than you can do some damage. I remember it's like, it's not even great range either. It's just like a really awkward ability from everything I remember. Uh, I mean, I actually, I think it's quite an interesting one because you, you can draw a range and line of sight um, from other models. So it, it does exert a good amount of board pressure. The damage, two, three, four, that's not terrible on a gun. It's not great, um, but, you know, it's not terrible and has injured. Uh, the problem, in my opinion, is that, one, um, if Lucius is engaged, he can't take it, which is kind of silly just conceptually. Um, two, it only has one trigger, crit strike, just to do more damage. You know, his stupid cane has more triggers, and that's an action you really don't want to be taking. Whereas I feel like if Hidden Sniper, um, I mean, Coordinated Attack would probably be broken. Uh, but, you know, if it had, say, Drop It or something... Um, you know, or days like to give stunned, you know, at, at that point it'd be quite nice. Stat five as a, a master attack is a, is a problem. And it's just, it's competing with ordering your own people around. So, you know, this is, this is an action that m might be fine on other people, but I think part of the reason why Lucius one is considered a very good model is that his attacks aren't really all that great and what he's mostly doing is ordering around his own models and if you're using your master to order around lesser models you need to be getting uh more from it than simply an action and yeah lucius you're often getting to draw a card because of uh like the keyword ability uh but issue command itself i mean it's got okay triggers but it would be nice if say if it had a trigger to heal or, or something like that um, and, and so I, you know, I think that's kind of why Hidden Sniper, um, is, is on this list. Uh, for Brewery 1, we put Riddles in the Dark. Um, you know, his version is just so much worse than Yoko 1's because it has no triggers. Uh, his crew doesn't really interact with Distracted that much, um, his defenses are already kind of based on neg flips. Uh, now it is great to be able to stack multiple neg flips. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it, you know, I rarely if ever see brewery one players taking this action. And I just, I don't think it's a, a good use of, of his AP. Um, but Colin, what does it matter if some of these models have these bad attacks, right? Like if they can, if they can do something else, I guess, um, does it matter that they have, uh, bad attacks. I think it depends, like how good the other actions are. I feel like with Kidai too, like you're you really have a lot of options. So you're never really using Sundering. It still kind of sucks that in the case that you need to output some damage, you don't really have a solid way to do it. But as far as master design goes, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, right? But I I think you know the bigger question is it's how does it fit into the entirety of their kit? So yeah, I, I don't think like in isolation, 
having a under statted or a, a non-master level attack on a master is necessarily a bad thing. It just really depends on the kit. Um, I guess in that case, like Lynch is <laughs> Lynch one is just kind of sad because both of his attack actions are just like really underwhelming. Like the best part about his Derringer is the fact that he can move <laughs> the only saving grace of the crew, hungering darkness, into base contact with whatever he manages to shoot. Yeah. So to me, that's the issue with. Uh, some of these bad actions, right? I, I don't think it's necessarily, as you, as, you know, as you said, it's not necessarily a problem that Zoraida's melee attack isn't great, right? You don't want to be meleeing with Zoraida. Um, and because, you know, her other actions um, are, are not, uh, you know, they're not gun actions or they're not limited by being in engagement or whatever. Um, it's it's a pretty specific situation to where you would choose to take her melee specifically, um, mm -hmm. and when when a master has things that they're bad at, I mean that is potential counterplay, right? So like Sonya, uh, her her range attacks are so much better than her melee attack that as an opponent, what you want to do is you want to be engaging her so that she can't be sitting there nuking you. So you know that. That change in potential, I mean, that's called counterplay, and, and that's good for the game. Um, the problem, I think, becomes when actions become bad enough that, you know, because of the situation, you have to take them, right? Like, it's the right call to try to use Hidden Sniper to, to attack this model. Um, but now, the fact that Hidden Sniper itself is not a good action is going to be significant, right? I, I, you know, I, I'm comparing Hidden Sniper to Hex, with, with which Zoraida has. They have the same damage track, 2, 3, 4. They have the same injured plus 1. Zoraida is stat 6 against willpower, and um, uh, Hidden Sniper is stat 5 against uh, defense. Uh, Zoraida can arc through models just as an ability. Uh, Hidden Sniper can arc through models as a as an aspect of, of that action. Hex has an additional effect on it that can potentially move the model if the model has, um, you know, Zoraida's voodoo upgrade. And Hex has two triggers, uh, including coordinated attack, which I had just said I kind of felt might be unfair if Hidden Sniper had coordinated attack. So, I mean, I kind of feel like if they took Hidden Sniper and just made it uh like you know the df version of hex um which isn't a gun so it's also not turned off by zoraida being engaged it, it would be a much better action and because master level ap is in some sense relative actually in all senses it's relative but in some sense it's comparing to non-masters but in other ways it is comparing to what other masters do this is a a really good example of of two abilities that have just incredibly different impacts on the table and hex is an action that is taken and it's not like Zoraida sits there and obeys all day no she does take the hex action too and i think you know lucius one is a master that has been known to be underperforming since pretty much the start of the game 
And part of it might be that just some of these actions that he has aren't matching up to what, uh, you know, is on the cards of, of, well, not some of this should be. In fact, all of it <laughs> is really due to the fact that what is on his cards really isn't matching up to what's on other people's cards. And, and the thing is to me, that's actually a potentially easy fix, right? You look at Lucius one, would he suddenly be good if his hidden sniper were in every way equal to hex? No, I mean, I, I don't think that that's necessarily enough. I, I think um, what I would really like to see is if his, um, uh, I forget what, what it's called, but issue command, I think it is. I would really like if issue command had a trigger to allow Lucius to take a walk action because Lucius has entourage also. And so, you know, one of the issues with Lucius is being able to still obey your guys around as your guys advance up the board because Lucius is getting left behind as he's spending his AP ordering people around. So if he could take a free walk, which also would trigger his entourage, I mean, I think that that would potentially do a lot for him. But do I think his hidden sniper should be moved up to be equal to Hex? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, all right. Well, that's enough about Lucius one. Uh, <laughs> our next category are just bad actions. Um, and, and of course we mean this in, in a master sense. It's not that these are necessarily actions that shouldn't be taken because they are themselves bad, right? Like if a, if a different model had them, it might even be good, but they are not good on masters. Uh, and so Kogan, what are some of the examples we have here? So the examples we had are Bass's Stoic Nod and then Feed on Grief by Reva. But I feel like Stoic Nod is <laughs> it's a level below Feed on Grief. <laughs> um, the thing too is like, because I think within the crew it's only Bass and Jonathan that have it. Mm -hmm. But Jonathan, they buffed him so that his Stoic Nod at least has has a trigger now. So it can be like semi-useful, whereas Bass's is still just triggerless. And it's like, all right, do I want to use my bonus action to heal one, two to three damage? Like the the heal amount is just so insanely small that this is like one of those cases where it's like you're you're better off walking your master <laughs> so you can get into range to shoot something with a shotgun. Yeah, I mean, are there going to be instances where healing your model? you know, with Stoic Nod is the right call? Yes, uh, of, of course there are. Um, but this is just not a good way to spend Master AP, right? It's it's a heal with a test, first of all. So the action is not guaranteed. It heals for one, two, three. It has no triggers. It, it doesn't even, like really have a very good range either. You know, Jonathan's trigger on, on his Stoic Nod is actually pretty good. It It heals himself. And it pulses out irre or, um, uh, irresistible, not irreducible, irresistible staggered, which, you know, okay, if there's no enemies around, that's that's not really mattering. But if there are enemies around, that could be huge, uh, especially uh, for a crew that's built around taking advantage of stagger, right? I mean, you do see those kinds of builds from time to time where people, you know, they've got Grimwell and, and they've got, you know, just every model that staggers and they're... They're just hoping to to abuse staggered. I, you know those those lists do exist, um, but 
yeah, I just, if you have to take this action on Bass, it feels really bad. Uh, my, mm-hmm. my suggested fix was a, a trigger called mutual admiration that allows the target to take stoic nod. Uh, you know, that allows the target to take the action and that mutual admiration wouldn't, you could declare it multiple, you could declare it even if it were based on a trigger. So like Bass and another model could just like sit there and nod at each other and heal each other to full if you had, uh, uh, you know, enough of the suits for it. I think that would have been um, potentially amusing. Um, but unless you give this action a trigger, um, it's not a good use of Bass's AP outside of situations where it is the necessary use. And this might be an example of, you know, Kogan, which you were kind of talking about how it's not necessarily bad if masters have bad actions, as long as they're, um, first of all, is other stuff that they're doing well, but also second, as long as there are clear situations, um, where it's going to be the action that you want to take. Uh, and and this is actually an interesting area of game design, right? Suboptimal choices from an efficiency standpoint that are nonetheless the correct action at the time. Uh, and walk and interact also, you know, fall right into that category. So every master um, has has the potential to face this choice. So I don't know if I'm really calling for Stoic Nod to be removed or improved because. There is that design tension there, which, you know, as I said, I think is a good thing. But when we get into comparing masters, part of the issues that we see are the best masters are the masters that don't have those compromises, right? I mean, they might have one thing or, you know, a a small selection of actions that predominate, but when they take the other actions, the other actions are good. Um, and so you don't see that kind of efficiency drop. Uh, I think Yedza is kind of a good example of that. You know, you look at all of her stuff, there's triggers all over the place. I mean, she has lost knowledge just like Molly does, but she's got triggers on it. Um, and, you know, it's not like Molly is a bad master uh, necessarily. So, yeah, I mean, I, I find myself a bit conflicted on uh, these bad actions. What do you think of, uh, about kind of like that design tension? Um, I mentioned, although it like really kind of piggybacked off something you mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, you know, in and of itself, it's not, it's fine to have suboptimal actions or actions that aren't, aren't, you know, like at the level you'd expect for a master. But I think in order for it to not feel terrible, it does need to be like, there needs to be a situation where it can be useful to that. Uh, model i do feel like you know like stoic not on bass it's just something you're you're never going to use they're the situations which use it are so infinite infinitesimally god i can't say that word right now are they're just so like small that it almost feel you know like if you just took that action off of bass i don't think it would be an issue it'd feel bad because he's just losing an option but it's not something that anyone would use in the first place yeah, I mean, I I would agree with that. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say, uh, you know, it, it's it's almost inconceivable that they would take it because I mean, I I think you know if you can if you can save a model that would score for you or something, you, 
you know, you're going to do it. If you could uh, heal a model above hard to kill, um, you know, there are instances where I think that's the right choice. But it, I would agree that it would just always feel really bad to have to take Stoic Nod with Bass. Um, the last one that we have, uh, inefficient setup for keyword abilities. Um, the only example that we have here is germinate. We kind of gave up on finding others. No doubt there are others, <laughs> but we don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of the models. And also, uh, our our episode prep procedure is really bad. Um, but, you know, so germinate. Titania's crew needs these underbrushes. Um, but... You can contrast this with, say, Raspi's Ice Pillar Generation or Euripides Ice Pillar Generation where there's a trigger to make an additional one, right? And and for, for Titania, the trigger that they gave her is to allow her to place. So um, what they're trying to do is, is, is they're building in the movement aspect to it. And, and I mean, that's not useless, um, but only having the move option, I think makes it noticeably worse than uh you know the actions these other masters have to produce multiple um of of the same marker that that you need and and Jim had mentioned in Festivus uh that in fact that these uh terrain marker masters have fallen a bit behind the curve in competitive play because it's it's just kind of inefficient to make these markers it's become much more efficient to remove these markers. And in, in some cases, you know, you're able to remove multiple markers. Uh, sometimes you're getting something for it, right? Like drawing cards or healing or, you know, whatever it may be. So that in fact, providing these markers to your opponent is giving them benefits. Um, and yet this is an action that Titania has to take, because again, like I said, you you need these markers for for lots of things, and if you're going to take a walk with Titania, it's often worth it if you have the um, I think it's a, a crow trigger if you have the crow in hand. All, all, although you know the black joker exists, and because this is something with a flip, if you if you don't have it in hand uh, and you're just trying to pray, then you probably do have to just take a move if you need the move. Um, and so you know, to me, this is an action that is failing the master level uh, AP, um, I don't know, status or, or you know, impact, uh, partially because of changes to the game, because of, you know, where these kind of terrain markers now sit, especially because of, like, post-madness and marker removal, um, but also partially because of uh, the impact in the crew needing these markers, and the impact on uh, Titania's actions having to, you know, basically having to spend one on Germinate almost every turn. Uh, and in some ways, I think this is kind of goes to uh, the issue command um, with Lucius 1, where, yeah, you would love to order your people around, but doing so is, is leaving your master further and further uh, from the action, and so that's why I really think a, a, a move trigger would be interesting there. Um, for for Titania, I think her crew just depends on these markers so much. I mean, so many of her models have triggers based on uh, these underbrush markers. So I really do think that they 
uh, should consider at the very least a trigger to place an additional marker. What do you, you know, what do you think of, of uh, this action? Uh, yeah, I, I think I largely agree. I think it's like one of those things too, like just because of, you know, like how masters are written in the lore and how they are set up in the game, you, I think it's just better for like the player base as a whole for like their actions to be, you know, a step above what other models would be able to do or, you know, be unique to that master itself. You know, this helps plays more into like the asymmetric gameplay that they really want to push in design. And it also gives, I think, like a a much better focus on what you want to do with a master during their turn for newer players. And like, yeah, underbrush markers are very <clears throat> useful to recruit, but then like also so many other people in her Germinate Germinate is a pretty common action in her crew right yeah, yeah something like five models have it five or six models uh let me just do an app search uh five counting titania um mm -hmm. so yeah four other like models have Aislinn. it and some of them have better triggers i think like aislin yeah aislin has surge um which is always really nice now uh, the boar has reposition so titania is better than that um and neither the other two, the Autumn Knight and the Wald guys, they don't have any triggers. Okay, so only Aislinn has a better trigger. Um, and even better is, I think, situational. But, uh, yeah, it is an action that plenty of other models have. And Titania is not clearly doing it better than, um, you know, the other models in the keyword with it. Yeah. So then, yeah, this might also just fall into the level of, like, personal graves. Because... Again, with like um, Dreamer, I still remember like him having a ability that makes his keyword worse when he's the master. Like I understand what they why they did it. I don't think it was a bad change, but just like for within the lore of the game and how like you know with how true to the lore they tend to stay, it just feels so dumb to me. So it, it's I, I think it kind of plays into you know, the expectations of what a master should be. So I I think it's kind of important, especially for, like, an action that's pretty unique to her keyword, that the master is able to perform it at a higher level than other models in their crew. So, yeah, like, being able to generate another one to put in line with, like, Rasputina and Euripides, I think, would be a good start. Um, I, I guess for her, she has her bonus action where she's able to manipulate them in a way that's kind of unique in the crew, but you know, that I guess I would expect that as a minimum for any master that has some kind of connection or play with unique markers. It would be, in I mean, her front of card is already really stacked, but it would be interesting if she had an ability, uh, that underbrush markers that she makes can't be removed by enemy effects. So, you know, the one that she makes at the start of the game. And then it's like, okay, uh, now there's a different reason to take Germinate with Titania as opposed to um, the other models in her keyword that have it. Right? Because in, in some sense, Germinate is almost a, by definition, not master level AP, right? Because you can get the same effect from other models in her keyword that are not masters um 
they, they all don't have the trigger to to move her. So, I mean, there is that aspect to it. Um, but I don't think really anyone believes that that trigger uh, is, is validating the action. If anything, it, it's just kind of mitigating the fact that you're taking the action by allowing you to still move to Tanya. Um, although you could move her quite a bit with it because the action's got a six inch range and then it's a 50 mil um, base, which is almost two inches. And then you could place Titania at the edge of that. So it does move her farther than her, her standard move. Um, but, but still, you know, I, I, the, the general sentiment among the community, which I agree with is that, you know, germinate is just not a good use for her AP. Um, so I do think it would be interesting if, you know, her markers were a bit different and I am hesitant to go down that road, but it already exists. Um, right. Like, um, uh, in Ivan's crew, Ava can, mm -hmm. can target a marker and make it so that other people can't take actions around. Um, Lucius two hit the scheme marker that he drops behaves differently than other scheme markers on the board. So since weird has already gone down this route, I don't think it's, you know, unreasonable to, to look at other ways, um, other ways to to use it yeah yeah i yeah just like we were talking about in the festivus episode just like markers and conditions they're i i think this is something that just needs to be fixed and forth because it, it feels like it's becoming way too binary um but i feel like it, it is a hard issue to address because you know we do have tokens which are not removable, and those can get out of hand. So it is really a, a difficult thing to balance for. Yeah, I mean, they could be doing a lot more with markers, right? Tokens, I think, are trickier, uh, because I think the fact that the enemy can't interact with them is kind of built into their design. So it would take sort of a Somer-level um, top-to-bottom keyword change, I think, to change the way these tokens work. But for the markers... There are things that could be done that Weird is not really that interested in, right? So, like, more effects could move these markers instead of removing them, right? You know, banishing some of these markers to a, to a poor position in, in a lot of ways is going to be the same as, as removing them. Um, take control, right? Like, flip them from the generated crews, you know, friendly to them, to now friendly to the opponent's crew. Uh, because a lot of effects require the markers to be friendly to uh, to the crew in order to to be used, right? Or um, stripping traits from the marker, so the marker still exists. It just doesn't have any traits anymore, uh, and that might even be kind of a temporary thing, right? It could be an aura that's on a model, or it could be an action that lasts until the end phase. You know, just like how. Um, Ava's action is buffing markers until the end phase. You could have an action that is nerfing markers un until the end phase. Um, these, you know, for whatever reason, Weird has chosen to make marker interaction very binary. Whereas I think there's actually interesting design space uh, they, they could go, right? Or, you know, not removing markers or not removing traits, but adding traits, right? So, like hazardous heal one for your own guys right so like uh the opponent threw out an an underbrush and it's annoying 
I'm going to make it so it's hazardous heals my own people, right? And so now, uh, what's, you know, what's going on with it? How does my opponent want to use that marker now? So I, I, there's a lot, I think, that is potentially quite interesting that could be done with markers that I hope we will consider in the future. As, as you mentioned, we're probably looking at an M4E, um, before weird is going to really, I think have the opportunity and the motivation to uh, to look at these things more closely. Uh, regarding master level AP as a concept, what do you you know? Do you think that this is a good concept that that weird should carry forward in fourth? That masters should have these actions to have a greater impact on the table, right? Because it's possible to just say. Masters have actions. They're not necessarily meant to be superior to other models, but they have three AP instead of two with their front of card type things. You're getting additional synergies and that's how we're going to play it. Or do you really think, no, you know what masters uh, do on the table should be, you know, distinctly superior from non-masters. I don't think that the actions necessarily need to be at like, master level such that they're far superior than you know like other models in the crew but the master itself needs to have like the synergies or something that makes them feel unique within the crew and i think the easiest way to convey that is through actions right especially you know the first time you're looking and trying to understand what a crew does you know generally starting with the master and seeing what they excel at is a decent way to kind of get like a baseline for what you want to be doing with the crew or how the crew is going to play. So, I mean, I, I feel like it'd be weird to come down hard on either side saying like there shouldn't be master level actions or there should. I, I think as long as, you know, like the combination of abilities or, you know, if not the combination, having a unique action that kind of defines the master. I mean, I, I would agree that masters should have a distinct impact on the game, right? I do think that this should be kind of a master-focused game uh, where the choice of your master matters and has an impact on how you want to play the game. I, you know, I, I think there are consequences to that, right? It makes, for instance, henchman hiring more distant prospect in, in, in terms of balance because once you say masters should be special models, henchmen just aren't masters and so you know you fall that much further behind when you when you hire them um as as, as your leader now of course henchman hiring is a corner case kind of thing and i don't want them to balance the game around henchman hiring i i want that to be kind of a specialized case but i do think if if it is something that's in the game it is something that should be looked at from a balanced standpoint you know in in theory for the cases of henchman hiring that work it, there there should be reasons why it works and it shouldn't be so detrimental to not have a master as your leader that you basically can't ever really do it right or you know for myself i kind of suspect that a lot of the balance issues we see among the masters has to go to this master level ap you know, these underperforming masters, what they do uh, just doesn't have the impact of of the better masters. And 
in in some cases, I think it's kind of obvious, right? You, you know, you can look at Hidden Sniper versus Hex, for instance, and just see the the night and day difference um, in effectiveness between those two actions. But in in other cases, uh, I think the impact might be kind of difficult or or specific to where uh, superior players with work can probably get master level AP value out of them. But if, if it, if it's that difficult to do so, then it's, it's much less attractive to pick those masters because there are easier options out there. A uh, few Colgan, do you think this master level AP, you know, like relative to, you know, within the, the universe of masters, do you think that this is a significant balance issue? Do you think it's maybe not? This is not something you've really considered important either way. What What's your take on it? I don't think it's significant for balance, but I think it's really helpful for strategizing and thinking about how you want to like structure out your turns. You know, because you want to keep in mind, you know, like what are the actions you need to succeed for? Like, what are you going to cheat for? Like, who should be performing these actions like okay yes you need to score by you know like walking and dropping a scheme marker and it's like you have your master that could do it or you have your henchman that could do it and when you're making that decision you really need to think about like you know what actions are available to them like who could fill in for them if they are busy taking those generic actions to you know kind of help move the board state forward in your favor so i think it's important in that sense I think it gets weird if you're just like comparing action to action to try and determine if like masters are balanced because I think it's very difficult to look at the game that way, especially as you're saying, you know, like how situational things are. Like, you know, there are definitely times where the correct action is to like walk, walk, interact with your master instead of like using, you know, your hand can to blast models off the board. Um. Yeah. So, it, it, does that make sense? It does make sense, and I think that is a fair position. Although, I mean, ultimately, I I don't think I agree. Uh, for instance, Lynch one, right? Mm -hmm. Um, let's say they gave him Seamus's gun. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, he is a a much more attractive model. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Is is he better than Lynch two at that point? Well, you know, probably not. He doesn't have. I mean, he's got move four. He doesn't have Seamus's teleport, so he's not using it nearly as effectively as Seamus. Uh, Lynch two is is. I mean, his front of card is doing a lot because it's um, making you know hungry darkness a, a given third AP and and then that upgrade that allows it to come back to life. Um, but you know, I, I think my point is. If you take a acknowledged high impact ability and stick it on, um, or uh, action, sorry, uh, and stick it on a a master, I think that has a huge impact on the value of that master. And if that's true, then that means that a bit that action that we moved is having a huge impact in balance terms. Um, you know, there are other things you could do. I mean, obviously, you could buff Lynch, Lynch 1, but my point is any attempt at improving a master is going to be trying to improve 
what you're getting from their actions, right? Like if Lynch won, for instance, had a trigger to resummon the hungering darkness, um, I think that would be pretty interesting, right? So like the trigger on his derringer that moves the hungering darkness, if it if it resummoned the hungering darkness, if the hungering darkness wasn't on the board, right? So it still moves it, but if the hungering darkness is dead, it resummons it instead. Um, you know that would open up a new play style for Lynch One Crew. Would it be the right choice? I mean, still probably not because I I just think you know Lynch Two is is better. So in order to to make Lynch One attractive, you have to I think look in another direction. But just make him Lynch Two with Seamus's gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean Lynch Two I think is is a decent model. Um. No, Lynch 2 is a fine master. Yeah. Uh, it's just Lynch 1. Yeah, I mean, it's just Lynch 1. But I, I guess what I'm saying is, since I believe the way that you would improve these underperforming masters is to elevate the efficiency or, or the impact, or, you know, probably both of their actions, that, you know, speaks to me of the fundamental balance issues behind these... Um, uh, like non-master level AP actions. Hmm. Okay, okay, I can, I can kind of see that. All right. Well, uh, I think we've pretty much talked out the concept of master level AP. Uh, only an hour and a half episode. Uh, this time, <laughs> uh, we would have enough for a Malabite if we were still on Zencaster. Um, stupid Zen. I, I hate them so. It just, it's so frustrating to me to have like a a service that was really like it got where it was based on its community and then the second that they were able to monetize it they were like all right uh yeah thanks bye um but anyways uh this isn't Zencaster this is the other coast uh we record because we want to be part of the wider Mountainful community you know we uh just play where we play um, and occasionally on Vassal, I, I am trying to get in more Vassal games as sort of a New Year's resolution. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, but we are really interested in Malifaux as a game, in like the various ways the co- various communities explore the game. And so we're very much interested in your thoughts. If you have any feedback, anything you would like us to do an episode on, and we will do an episode on it. In fact, uh, one guy got two episodes out of his request. So, you know, we will, we need content ideas. You do not want to listen in to us trying to figure out what to do for our next episode. So any opinions, any feedback, we'd love to hear it. You can hit us up on pretty much all the social media things. Um, we have a discord, which is, you know, marginally active, which you are welcome to join and, uh, uh, derive amusement from, uh from if if you can um we also have a paypal and patreon if you'd like to support us in that way that would be cool and thank you very much for our backers especially as we roll into a new year uh and yeah i think with that it'll just do it for us for tonight so good night everyone good night everyone